Good to be in church, amen. amen. I have the anointing of the Godfather today. <laughs> so I'm going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. You come to me on my daughter's wedding. Okay, all right. Let's start. Uh, I love you guys as well. It's good to be here. We're going to continue our series through the book of Ecclesiastes, Pursuing Meaning. In chapter 3, it's really powerful because what he does now, he, he shifts his focus to help us begin to understand how to actually have meaning in God. And so he shifts his focus to help us now understand the power of timing when it comes to meaning. That there's a season and a time for every place, for everything under heaven. And so it's, it's a beautiful prophetic understanding of that reality that I think is going to help us today to really have meaning. But in order to have meaning, we have to be in step or in time, in the season that God has for us. Can you say amen? amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 beginning with verse 1 says, For everything there is a season. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war <clears throat> and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet, God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Can you say amen? Amen. So in the pursuit of meaning, it's critical that we are in God's timing, God's season. You know, as a, as a sports fan, there's nothing more exciting than a buzzer beater. Even if you don't like sports, there's something exciting about 
that moment when someone hits that clutch shot as the time is expiring. Right? Even as kids, right, we love to do that in the backyard. Three, two, one. And in your mind, it, it goes in every single time. Right? It's very exciting to, to be part of that. It's very exciting to be on the right side of a buzzer beater. Like when your team hits the buzzer beater. Because if you're on the other side of that, it's a terrible feeling for your team to lose at the buzzer. But there's something powerful about that because sometimes the release is just a little bit outside of the time. And sometimes you have to wait now because you have to go to the review to see was it really released on time or was it outside of that time frame? Such an important analogy to life. Life has timing to it. Life has seasons to it. And we want to be in season, not outside of that season, not outside of that timing. My friends, meaning and timing go together. Meaning and timing will always be on the same page. So the question that I want us to consider this morning, it's a very important question, my friends. You're not going to be able to answer that today. But it's a question that you need to sit with. Question is, what season are you in? What season of life are you in right now? Such a critical question because, my friends, the reason why so many of us are so restless, dissatisfied, discontent with life is because we haven't discerned what season we're in. And there's nothing more frustrating than to be on the outside looking in of a buzzer beater. Nothing more frustrating to not know what's really happening in my life in this very moment in time. So critical to sit with the Lord this week and honestly from time to time to ask that question, God, what season do you have me in? Not what season I think I'm in. God, what season do you have me in? Because you're the God that creates the seasons. You're the God that has a cycle of life that I sometimes don't understand. We live in New England and we are in the fall season. And whether I like it or not, winter is coming. Right? That's a season ordained by the creator himself. I can kick and scream all I want. I'm an island boy. I will never be okay with the cold. But the reality is I live in New England. And there is a God who does not care about my feelings. He cares about his seasons. So i got to ask the question to myself from time to time, God, what season do you have me in life right now? Because I can guarantee you a lot of our restlessness, a lot of our dissatisfaction, discontentment 
is because we're not in tune with the season that God has us in. Can you say amen? amen? If you're taking notes, please write this down. Discernment of seasons leads to meaning. Discernment of seasons leads to meaning. Why? Because God does not waste any season. God does not waste any moment of your life. God does not waste any pain in your life. God does not waste any issues in your life. He is a God who works with whatever is happening in your life. He's a God of seasons, but get this, you have to discern this. It doesn't mean that everything that's happened in your life, God made it happen. He's an expert at taking whatever's happening and turning it around for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So you must discern. Another word for discern is to distinguish. It's actually one of the gifts of the spirit, discernment, to distinguish. What's happening right now, God? What are you, what are you doing in this moment in my life? My friends, a lot of people go through life without any type of discernment. They just get up and go about their business without asking God, what are you up to? What are you doing? My friends, a life not examining is really a life not worth living. That's why we struggle. We started this series talking about depression and suicide. Why? Because people are not taking full account of the fact that there is a God who has seasons in life. And I need to do my best to live in tune and in step with this God and the season that he has me in. Can you say amen? amen. Right before the pandemic hit, I had a meeting with the staff and I said, you know, guys, we've been talking about this wrestle with birthing another campus for a while. And so right before the pandemic hit, we had a meeting that we were going to test the waters in different cities to see, like, what is happening? And God, where are you trying to lead us? And we had come up with this plan that we were going to have a tour, a new life tour, that we're going to you know, rent these venues in these different cities and we're going to bring our band and we're going to preach and we're going to see where people are in these cities and see, God, is this where you want us to be? And, and I remember on the board, we had three cities that we wanted to hit. We wanted to go to Taunton, Brockton, and we wanted to go to the Cape. And so we're all excited. You know, we started to, you know, research venues and, and places to go and, and see where we can have these services. And then, boom, the pandemic hits. And so the pandemic hits automatically, we have to get into pivot mode. You gotta, you gotta shift because no, that's not the season that we're gonna go, go into. We're going into a pandemic season and we need to shift it right away to like, okay, how do we have church online? Do we have cameras? Do we know what we're doing? And so we have to shift really quick to the fact that there is a pandemic and we need to, to be in step with what God is doing in the moment because I don't think God necessarily caused the pandemic, but God is definitely in this pandemic and God is doing some things in it. And so we shift it to online, but then we open our pantry 
a week right after the pandemic because we're like, we need to be right in the middle of people's needs and, 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 and struggles. And, and man, it was a powerful thing that God did in that season of us just saying, the food pan's not even ready, but guess what? We're going to go into it. And as we open it, God just provided for us to help, and, I, and, I, and I'm exaggerating, thousands of people. I would come to the office in the morning and there would be a line of people waiting because we, we didn't just do the food pantry. We were doing gift cards to grocery stores every single morning and there would be a line going around the building because we had to shift and say, God, this is what's happening right in this moment. So you have to learn to shift and pivot with what God is doing. And if we're not in tune with him, then we're going to be on the outside looking in and be restless and disappointed and frustrated that what I wanted didn't happen. So I must discern, God, what are you up to? It's interesting, a year and a half later, that desire to birth a campus was back again. And, and we, at that point, we just felt like, okay, I think it's going to be in the city of Brockton. And so we, we put a team together and, and begin to pray and begin to have prayer meetings out there and begin to believe God for what he can do there. And a year and a half ago was that conception of a new campus and a new place. And I'm happy to say that today, Brockton is four weeks old. There is a service like this one happening right now in the city of Brockton, Massachusetts. Because God has a timing for everything. And we must be in step with his timing. Can you say amen? My wife and I got married almost 17 years ago. This February we'll be celebrating 17 years of marriage. And when we got married, my wife had been accepted to a master's program in social work. That's, that's her field. That's what she focuses on. But the way our lives are set up, we started popping babies out <laughs> right away. And we had not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. <laughs> I am the LeBron James of babies. And so we had to make a decision, and we decided together that we're going to put the master's program on hold because we had made a decision right from the beginning. We said, we want to trust God with what's in front of us. We want to trust God to do our best with this family that he's given us, and it's better for us to be here for these kids to know mom and dad is here than to just try to pursue another thing and miss what's in front of us in this moment. And so we decided it's not time for a master's program. That was 17 years ago. And a couple of months ago, we said, the kids are all in school now. They get in their own cereal. <laughs> we think it's time and I'm happy to say my wife started her master's program. A couple of months ago. My friends, 17 years in the making. 
And that's important because a lot of times when you're reading the scriptures, you don't realize you're reading the highlights. Sometimes from one verse to the next, 10 years went by. And sometimes in our microwave society, we think everything has to happen, you know, overnight. But God is a God of over time. God has a purpose over time. When Joseph got a dream from God, he was 17 years old. But when you see the progression of that dream, it didn't come to pass until he was about 32 years old. So there is this process that God takes us through. And if we're in a rush, we might miss him when we're trying to get ahead of him. Can you say amen? Amen. The Apostle Paul tells us this in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 15 through 17, he says this, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. You know what other words for foolishness is? Do not be hasty. Do not be in a rush, because fools rush into things. But understand what the Lord's will is. It's such a a challenging word because we live in a day and age where we are led more by our feelings than we are led by our faith. The Bible says, do not let yourself be tossed and forth by every winds of imagination. Where people are so restless and so dissatisfied that they'll just go with whatever they feel. But your feelings don't necessarily align with God's timing. Your feelings are not always what God is doing in that moment. So critical to get this word. It's such a challenging word because we live in a society of microwave. I feel it, that therefore I must do it. But my friends, we live by a different economy. We live by the economy of a God of eternity who says I have a time and a place and a season for everything. The Apostle Paul goes on to say this, same book, chapter 6, such a powerful thing because there's a time to just stand. He says this in Ephesians 6, 13. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Oh, we just came back from a really powerful retreat with all the men who went through radical mentoring Shout out to all the men who stuck it out, 10 months of radical mentoring. And we talked about the fact that we need men, not just men, but really we need everyone to have this resolve that quitting is not an option. That sometimes you just got to stand still, stand strong, stand your ground. Stay faithful, stay rooted, stay grounded, no matter what's happening around you. It's not time to do anything, but stand. 
And you need to have that resolve in your spirit when things might be agitating. It may, things may not be well in your marriage or your parenting, your finances or your church to say, you don't know, come hell or high water. My mind's made up. I am standing and I'm not going anywhere no matter what happens. Quitting is not an option. I need us to say this together today. Quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Say it again. Quitting is not an option. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus some praise in this place. Sometimes you just got to stand and let the wind pass, the storm pass. Just got to stand your ground. Remain faithful to what God called you to. Too many people are flaky in moments of adversity. They want to leave their marriage, leave their kids, leave their church. You got to remain strong. See, Jesus said, Peter, I'm changing your name from Cephas to Peter, meaning I'm changing your name to a pebble, to a rock. It says, another word for the rock there is a pillar. We have pillars here. Pillars don't move. Pillars remain. They stay strong through everything. Come hell or high water, I am a pillar in the house of the Lord. Because here's the thing about waiting with God. Waiting does not mean you're not doing anything. Waiting means I'm going to do everything within my power, and I'm going to trust God with the things that only he can do in his time, in his will. Can you say amen? You know, it took some time for us to move here. It's interesting. This January will make nine years that we planted this church. Nine years already. It's crazy how much time flies. But the reality of that move didn't happen nine years ago. It happened probably 11, if not close to 12 years ago. At that time, I was a youth pastor in Smithfield, Rhode Island, and I was having a blast. I was like, my life's dope. I don't want to do anything else with myself. Like, I love what I'm doing. We, I was teaching at our ministry school, and I was leading three services every single week, one at the University of Rhode Island, Bryan University, and one at our Smithfield campus where we had students from Rhode Island College, Brown University, and all the different, you know, community colleges in the area. And man, it was awesome. I was having a blast and teaching. We had a ministry school. We had students that come from all over the nation, including Pastor Elijah, who came from Texas. Uh, Life was good with popping babies, you know, all of that. Just... But there came a place where I was, I was in this place of restlessness, and I wasn't sure what it was. So I'm like, I got everything going on, like, but I felt there was something else. And so I didn't do anything other than just pray and fast. And then the next thing that's so critical, if you're going to discern God's timing is I got the right voices involved. The voice of my pastor was so critical at that time. I went to him because to me, he's not just my pastor, he's my mentor, he's my sage. I call him my Yoda. (laughs) 
And I said, Pastor, I don't know why, but for the last several months, man, I just, this, I just feeling restless about where I'm at, and I've always loved what I'm doing, and, but I feel like there's something else. And he said something that I will never forget, and I still use this with people who, when they're restless, he said to me, he said, you're pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, um, this was before the gender confusion days, so I was... What is a woman, you know? um. But he said, no, you're pregnant in the spirit. He says, maybe God is trying to move you on to something, but you don't know what that is yet. He says, what do pregnant women do? They do nothing. (laughs) Don't get it twisted, sisters. Your superheroes in my book. What I meant was, you can't do anything about your pregnancy. You can just let it develop. See how quick y'all are? That's your problem. Always rushing to conclude. What do you mean we do nothing? It's like, let me finish. Fellas, right? We're like, let me, can I finish? No, he's saying in terms of pregnancy, you can only let the baby develop. You can only let the gestation take place, the trimester take place, because you don't even know what you're having. So so he says you're pregnant, but be still. And let God reveal it in due time. So what did I do? My friends, I kept doing everything that was in front of me to do. Because when you're waiting on God, you don't stop doing what he's already trusted you with. Because how is he going to trust you to get you there if you're not doing what you're doing already in front of you? And that was about a two, two, two and a half, three years process. But the beauty of trusting God with the right voices in your life is that God has a way of confirming his will. God will bring confirmation to his will. And I could sit here and tell you amazing stories of how confirmed we're meant to move here and do what we're doing now before any of this. It was just faith and trust that is leading us to this place. I want to show you something I got in the mail this week that brought me back to that. Someone sent me this, and it was, again, timing is beautiful. Because when we were getting ready to launch, there was an article in Time Magazine whose the title of the article was this. It was, it was America, meet your new Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were referring to New Bedford, Massachusetts as the least Bible-minded city in the country. And this is a city of, the, of New Bedford back in the days. And I actually have this picture in my, in my office. And it's amazing that someone felt compelled to send me this this week to, once again, remind us of God's timing. As this article was released, God was like, I'll release you into New Bedford to go change the landscape of what I'm doing. And you know what's amazing? Nine years later, we can say, 
You got to go, go back and rewrite history because God is rewriting the history in this place. My friends, trust God's timing and trust the right voices that he brings to confirm his seasons. Can you say amen? amen. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 4, beautiful verse. He says this in Galatians, but he says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. When the right time came, the struggle with that is, it's God's timing. And the struggle with that is, God lives outside of our time. Like, God is not subject to our timing. God is an eternal God who lives outside of the 24-hour cycle. And he, and he finds fit to say, in his timing, this is the right time for my son to come into the world, to save the world, to redeem mankind. Even before you were born, God already had predestined for his son to come into the world, to save the world. See, he lives outside of time. He's an eternal God. That just blows my mind. Can we just take a second? To try to wrap our minds around this reality. I remember one time we were in class and, and uh, I was in Bible school and our professors were talking about sovereignty and timing and eternity. And he says, he said, he said, picture this, right? Picture you are in a parade. He says, in a parade, all you have is the eye view of your location. And Usually when you're in a parade, you might be in the corner of a street and you, the parade comes to you and then the parade moves and that's it. All you have is the eye view of the parade, like you just see in there. But it says, what if there's someone though who is in a higher place and this person is able to see where the parade's starting, all the stops and where the parade is going. And he says, that's God. God has an eternal view on life. He can see past, present, and future all at the same time. And in our limited eye view, we might say, oh, look, it's all, oh, man, I missed it. But it's like, no, 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 I'm taking this somewhere. And that's why we can say with confidence that no matter what's happening in life, we can prophesy that the best is yet to come because God can see past, present, and future. He sees ahead and he says, I got this. I'm making all things new. But in his time, in his time, not my time, not your time. That's where we get restless because we want a certain timing for things. But we're limited in our perspective. So he has a time that I don't understand. It's a mystery to me, a lot of the things. There are times in life where I just have to say, God, I trust you. I don't understand why this is happening. I can't explain to you why a young girl got cancer. I can't explain to you why this kid died in a car accident. I can't explain these things. And it's, and it's terrible and it's heartbreaking. All I can do in those moments is to say, God, even though I only have this small eye view, I trust that you have a view that I can see. And so I trust when things are not good that you're still good. You're a good, good father. 
and you have a timing for everything, can you say amen? In Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon said something that to me is one of my favorite things in the entire book. It's verse 11, my friends, such a powerful verse. He says, yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Man, this verse is beautiful. Can I encourage you to take this verse with you for the week? Meditate on it. Wrestle with it. But be okay with the fact that you won't get to the bottom of it. It's impossible for us to fathom eternity in its fullness. Because remember, you all you have is your IV or your little corner street. But God has an eternity perspective. He created us in his image, meaning he created us to be eternal like he is. See, a lot of times we make the mistake of thinking, when I die, I'm going to live forever. No, no, you already live forever. When you die, you're just continuing the life that you started here. That's why in this life, you're always going to feel a little bit of a restlessness. Because you're not home yet. Please keep that word in mind. Not yet. He's created you. He planted eternity in you. But in his own time, he's going to make all things new again. But his timing, not mine. When Jesus came to earth... He insisted again and again, when you see me, you're seeing the Father. Like, you can't see the Father, he's he's a spirit, but man, when you see me in the flesh, you're seeing him. And so, he did his best to help us understand, hey, look at me, because you're seeing the Father, basically. And he tried to help his friends, his first disciples, and us today, try to help understand, understand this concept of eternity, and he says this about eternity, that There's going to be this tension always between here and there. So in John 14, he says this. It's really powerful. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, which we don't know when that is, that's the restlessness. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So we live in this tension between now and then. But we don't sit around doing nothing for then because everything we're doing now affects the then. Every time I do a funeral, I'm doing one this Wednesday, I always say the same thing, that death is not a period, it's just a comma. You live forever. The question is, will you live forever with him, or will you live forever outside of him? Because Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they will know me. Eternal life is not going somewhere. Eternal life is continuing what you started here with Jesus as the Lord and Savior of 
your living. So we do have this tension between here and there. And to be honest with you, that's the point. That's the point. That, that's the mystery. That's the struggle of, of times is that we're not meant to be fully at home yet. C.S. Lewis, in his classic book, Mere Christianity, if you never read it, my goodness, do yourself a favor and read it, but read it slowly. Because every, every sentence is, is a mouthful. It's like going get a Ph.D. degree in theology, reading C.S. Lewis. But he says this in their Christianity. It's so powerful about this whole wrestling with eternity. He said this. He said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. When you pay attention to your soul, it's there. That you're not going to be fully satisfied here. Because you're not fully home yet. 